Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The entrance of thy words give light and imparts understanding to the simple. So says the psalmist in Psalm 119. Today's topic is how is Jesus God's temple? I preached on this topic a few days ago. And if you'd be interested in hearing that sermon, you can go to www.sermonaudio.com slash gscc and you can hear messages preached at our church, a Good Shepherd Church in Dallas, Texas. But how is Jesus God's temple? Uh, that question is provoked by an encounter Jesus had with some Jewish leaders in Jerusalem at the temple. This was early in his ministry, and he went there on one day, and he drove out the money changers and overturned their tables and released the animals and told them to remove this because the temple was God's house where prayer was to be offered. There are a lot in that, but I won't go into that today. But he is confronted by the Jews later in that day or soon after that, And they said, what sign do you show us for doing these things? They knew he was acting as if he were a prophet, a zealous prophet, perhaps one who could perhaps be the Messiah. What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them in a very cryptic way. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now they thought he was just talking about the physical structure for them to destroy it, and he would raise it up in three days. So they weren't about to do that, and they didn't think it was possible anyway. But later the apostles will remember this, and they will understand what Jesus meant. We read in verse 21, and then in 22. 22 says, When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Because John came to understand, you see, that Jesus was talking about the temple of his body, not the physical structure in Jerusalem. So that provokes the question, how is Jesus God's temple? Well, to understand that, we have to go back to the Old Testament and the foundation of the tabernacle, which would later become the temple, And that was done at Mount Sinai. There, after God had brought the Hebrews out of Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai where he gave them the law and established a covenant with them, the Mosaic covenant or the covenant with Israel. At that time, he said in Exodus 25, 8, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And in Exodus 29, 45, he says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. So what we can understand from this is that the tabernacle and later the temple is the place of God's residence, that is his manifest presence among his people. So it's the place where God in some manifest presence dwells with humans. Now, the people then were the Hebrews, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 sons of Jacob, they are the ones whom God brought out physically from Egypt 
and establish his covenant with them as a distinct people, and through them the Messiah would come. So to understand how Jesus is God's tabernacle, God's temple, we need to understand how the temple functions. So briefly, let me tell you how the temple or the tabernacle functions and how Jesus fulfills this. First of all, we learn from the scriptures that I've read that the temple was a place of God's residence where he lived among his people. Now, God is the God of the universe. He can't be contained uh, to just one building or especially just one room in a building, but his manifest presence can be there, and it was in the tabernacle in the temple of old. We're told about that when it was dedicated in Exodus 40 and again in 1 Kings chapter 8. I won't go there, but you can go there and check it out. Well, not only was the tabernacle of the temple a place of God's manifest presence among his people, it was also the place of revelation. God spoke to Moses at the door of the tent of the tabernacle face to face and gave him the instruction the people needed for their living with him. And it was the place of reconciliation because God at the same time he established the tabernacle also established the sacrificial system, and the priesthood. So the animals were sacrificed day and night there for the reconciliation of the people with God. There was a whole series of offerings that were made, but one was made every day that was the burnt offering. Place of reconciliation. People would come when they wanted to give thanksgiving to God, when they wanted to confess a transgression against God, or they wanted to celebrate his peace. Whatever the reason, they came with their sacrifices the sacrifices were slaughtered, and the blood was applied. It was the place of reconciliation so that the holy God can continue to live among the midst of the people that were not holy. And so it became the place of covenant life renewal through the worship feast patterns and through the liturgies of worship that were established first at the tabernacle and later at the temple. Well, that's just a brief view of how the temple and tabernacle function. But let's see, how then can Jesus be a fulfillment of this? How can Jesus himself claim to be the temple of God? And that's exactly what the Bible claims. If we want to know where the temple of God is now, where the temple of God is Jesus himself. In John 2, 19 through 21, which is the passage that I read earlier, Jesus himself is claiming to be the temple. You find that in verses 19 and 20. So John understood that Jesus, when he talked about destroy this temple, was talking about the temple of his body. And we know in retrospect, because Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised on the third day. So we know that this sign came to completion when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and remains a completed sign. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and there he lives and reigns, and from there he will come again. But Jesus is the temple. He is a place where God and humans meet, according to the scripture. Jesus was speaking of his body as a temple, and what is true in the foreshadowed pattern of the tabernacle temple, what we call a type, is a greater reality in Christ's person and ministry. Now, is this what was expected? Well, according to the prophets, it is. 
the prophets predicted a future dwelling of God with his people, not just the one that was there in the tabernacle and, and later in the temple. They gave prophetic words that expressed a greater reality that was to come, that was patterned after the temple or the tabernacle. Listen to the prophet Ezekiel 43.7, I will dwell in the midst of the people of Israel forever. Or Zechariah 2.10, I come and I will dwell in your midst. And Zechariah is rich with such promises, and this is after the first temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and a remnant had come back and established the temple again, but it was a smaller temple. Later, Herod would add to that temple and make it a great structure. That was a temple in which Jesus was speaking and times ministering in his day. That's the temple which Jesus cleansed. That's the temple where he uttered his prophetic statement. Zechariah, rich with the promise of this, says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And in Zephaniah, we're told that God even sings over his people. Yahweh, your God, is among you, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will calm you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Well, that was after the second temple and tabernacle had been built. So they're talking about a future reality of a temple. Was it talking about a physical structure of a temple? Or what exactly were they referring to? Well, first of all, I believe that Jesus in stating that destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days had reference to his own body, his own life. And so that's where we begin. How is Jesus the temple of God? Well, look at the reasons why God established the temple or the tabernacle. The first of all, it was to dwell among his people. Now, so the fulfillment is that Jesus who is the, the word incarnate, the one who had lived with God from all eternity and who was God, is the place where humanity and deity meet in his own body, the body of the incarnation. Psalm 40, which is quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, talks about a body you have prepared for me. And John 1.14 gives us the fulfillment. The eternal word takes a body, born of a full, real human mother, and he therefore shares in real, full humanity, but without losing any of his deity. So John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus understood that his body is the temple, the dwelling of God among the people. Matthew one twenty one says, You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He will save his people from their sin. How would he do that? Well, he would do that by his perfect blood offering in the body of the incarnation. So Jesus, in answering what the Jews asked for, points to the chief sign of his Messiahship that was to come in his day, but has come in history, his resurrection from the dead on the third day. Paul wrote in Romans 1, 3 and 4, the gospel is about the son who has descended from David according to the flesh. 
and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we're told in Hebrews 1, 3b and in Hebrews 10, 12 that after making purification for sins through this perfect blood sacrifice, he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is how Peter summarizes it in his, in his epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, who through him are believers in God, that the him is Jesus, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So, the body of Jesus Christ is the place where God dwells among human beings. Thus, he is the promised temple, a greater temple than under the old covenant and its shadows. So, I believe that is established by the quotation of Psalm 40 in Hebrews 10, 5 through 14, which reads, so consequently, when Christ came into the world, he had these words upon his lips, sacrifice and offerings you've not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Behold, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And he goes on to say that the sacrifices of the old covenant were not sufficient to remove the sins of the people. They were only a temporary covering. But what they promised, he has fulfilled. He does away the first with the first covenant in order to establish the second covenant. And by that will, we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But not only is Jesus Christ the sacrifice, he is also the high priest who offers up his own sacrifice for sins. But when Christ had offered up for all times a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That too is found in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. Now, he also told the Jewish leaders, in fact, the high priest of that day, and during his trials, that he was the fulfillment of the prophecies of Daniel. Daniel 7 has this to say. He's talking about a son of man. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. In Matthew twenty six sixty four, Jesus answering the high priest saying to him, you must under oath tell us whether you are the Messiah or not. He says to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated to the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So the present reality of Jesus as the temple is as Jesus as the temple has ascended into heaven. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. For Christ has entered not into a holy place made with hands, 
which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. And we see that in Revelation chapter 1, where John, in a vision of Christ, encounters him. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. Well, that's the present reality of Jesus as the temple of God. Now, there's a spiritual reality that that I won't get into today that is present in the church. But I do want to talk about the future, the future. Because you see, the new earth is where God's temple will be. Revelation 21 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Now that's the great covenant promise that's repeated repeatedly in the scriptures. It has come to pass through Jesus Christ, but a greater reality is coming to pass in the new heavens and the new earth at the consummation of all things. John goes on to write in Revelation 21, 22, and I saw no temple in the city. Why? For it's temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Jesus is God's temple, the one who shared our humanity and in him our humanity and deity meet and are reconciled. In him is found eternal life and in him is found eternal fellowship with God and worship is found in Jesus Christ, and in and through him is offered up to God the Father. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. Remember, we have a temple. His name is Jesus.